What is up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome to Benzinga's pre-market prep. I'm filling in for Joel and Mitch, who are out today, but I've got my man Dennis hanging out with me in the background. So, you know, you guys won't be stuck with me alone. Don't get worried uh, just yet, but we will have a great show today talking about yesterday's strong price action, the S&P 500, finally breaking out of that range. Of course, we had some news there with uh, regional banks as well as the debt ceiling we will get into, as well as some other top headlines. Let's go ahead and roll that intro, and I'll bring my man Dennis on when we get back. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All righty, everyone. Let's go ahead and bring on Dennis. Dennis, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good here, Aaron. I'm trying to find the show. Um, I'm hoping you're up and running here because I'm on the Benzinga channel and I cannot find the show. It's usually the first one there. So I just want to make sure that we're up and running and we are running smooth here. Um, Let's yeah. see. Let's do some. Uh... We're just we're just making sure here, folks, just some housekeeping stuff here. Just making sure that the show is running here because I can see yesterday's pre-market prep show. But I do not see today's pre-market prep show. So we want to make sure we are up and we are posted and we are running live here. I would ask the chat, but I can't see the chat because I can't find the show myself. Interesting. Okay, here we go. We are live. Let's see. My 16, okay. 17, we're taping. There we go. All right. This should be fixed now. So people that are out there, we'll wait a few minutes for people to... Uh, Looks like for some reason someone had the the stream listed on YouTube, just not on public. But it is now. I've got that fixed. Let's go ahead. Okay, so we're trying to find the stream here now. There we go. We are live here now. Okay, so we are fixed here now. Those who found the stream somehow, I'm not sure how everybody found it, but we have started here. Sorry about the little mishap here. Apparently the show was not posted, but we are up there now. We are live here now. So, Aaron, introduce yourself. We haven't seen you for a couple of days here. Um, obviously, Mitch and Joel are way here, so we have our guest host, Aaron Bree. What is up, guys? I'll take the the blame for that for people that have not been able to find it on YouTube. But I'm producer AB. Shout out uh, Dennis, Joel, and Mitch for giving me an opportunity to fill in this morning. So, uh, you, you know, thank we we've got Dennis who who helped us save the day, got the stream back. Um, but for those who are just joining us, since you you guys missed my first intro, we will be talking about yesterday's strong price action in the market. Will the S and P 500 and the overall market continue to run today. We had some strong news yesterday regarding regional bank stocks, as well as some optimism surrounding the debt ceiling negotiations. Uh, we have some other top headlines today, including uh, an interesting, you know, something interesting that happened with a single stock name, CWR. We'll get into that later in the episode. We will also have Anne-Marie Bain on at 8.35. So I'm really excited uh, about today's show and to be hanging out with you today, Dennis. Yeah, it's going to be a fun show. We've got a lot packed in here. I think we might as well start start with just, just some general market talk here from yesterday. Um, obviously, major price move up here. Regional banks, probably the driver, but even more so than that, debt talks, you know, about maybe there's going to be a deal here, deal, no deal. I think that was probably what really kickstarted the everything rally yesterday. And we haven't seen one of these for a while, but it was a majority of stocks rallying yesterday. We had tech rallying. We had the IWM rallying, obviously the S&P is rallying as well. We've been seeing, you know, the IWM and tech go in the opposite directions for a few weeks. That was not the case yesterday. It was a buy everything market here yesterday. Uh, debt ceiling talks about a deal potentially um, the catalyst, but you also had um, the regional banks having a pretty good day yesterday. Some news from WAL that deposits were higher. That was driving price as well. So a lot of the concerns that we've had, the two major ones, regional banks and debt limit, some of those fears a little bit less yesterday, not out of the woods on these things, but looking a little bit better here, Aaron. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is at the end of the day, the market really does not like uncertainty. And so you had a lot of uncertainty surrounding, of course, not just the, the regional bank situation, but as well as the debt ceiling, because 
I mean, right now, I mean, they're saying, okay, we're going to avoid a default, but there's still no deal in place. So at the end of the day, uh, there was this overhanging uncertainty that at least some of it yesterday, I think investors were saying, okay, maybe maybe we can take a stab at some of these regional banks. Maybe we can take a stab, um, you know, at, at the overall market S&P 500 on the hopes that the uh, government will be able to come to a solution when it comes to the debt ceiling. Yeah, I do think, and I've said this on the show, I think you're going to get a deal. There was no way they're going to default. So whether the deal happens next week or happens in the wee hours of the 31st, we're going to see a deal happen here. So if you're banking on the U.S. government defaulting on their debt, I think there's a lot safer bets to play on. So I think there's almost zero chance that there's going to be a default here. And we're going to get this rally because this market is what, you know, we want us to do. So maybe we get a little more fear. Maybe there's some fear. Oh, maybe they're not going to reach a deal. Those are probably going to be buying opportunities. Overall here, I made the prediction yesterday. I think we're going to be sideways action, a lot of chop potentially into the rest of the year. But, you know, it was a good day for the markets here yesterday. The bear thesis has a lot of holes. You know, it's why I have taken, you know, and put some of my cash to work recently. You know, recently I've bought AMD in the long-term portfolio. I bought Amazon in the long-term portfolio. I bought Airbnb in the long-term portfolio. I took a small position in Square in the long-term portfolio. I also put some General Motors in the long-term portfolio. So adding a little bit of risk in there just because, you know, this bear thesis has these holes and the holes we keep seeing is that some of these companies are reporting not that great of earnings but they're rallying on them anyways target um not a great report but you know they rallied the stock home depot was down originally not a great report but they rallied the stock take two not a great report yesterday they were ripping the stock some people are going to say it's you know updates on the game there's a specific game coming out uh but you know when you take the numbers at face value here the stock got hit initially on it they're just in this silver lining market where the market doesn't care if you've got bad news going forward because they're saying, hey, you know what? We expected it. And you know what? It wasn't that bad. Yeah. And that's one of the, I think, when the market is kind of moving sideways or even in, in kind of a bear market or anything, that's like a sign to really look for is when you have companies that start moving higher after not so great earnings. And the sure. opposite is true too, right? Like, uh, if, if you guys recall, so I'm, we're looking at Apple's chart right here. If I go to a weekly uh, chart, if we go back to November 2021, basically when the markets were at all-time highs or, or December, all the major tech companies reported great earnings, like record earnings, and the stocks traded off. And that was kind of a sign to me at the time, okay, we might be getting a little toppy here. Yeah. The market might be running out of steam. And the opposite's true when, when, when companies like Home Depot was its biggest revenue miss in 20 years. Yet by looking at the, at the chart, you wouldn't even really be able to see that. So that could no. be a sign, just like it was a sign in, at the top, that, okay, this is, a, this is a, a time where people are willing to take on some speculative risk. People are willing to buy some stocks, regardless of the fact that there might be a little bit of bad news out there. And we've been saying this for a while. People you know, are under the impression that the market has left without me and I have to chase. There's five stocks that have left without you. There's a lot of stocks that are still sitting not that far from 52-week lows. There's a lot of stocks that are really beat up. We talked about this one, ALB. We've been talking about it on the show for a while here now. I was early on it, but I rebought because, you know, the PE is nine. The thing a week and a half ago is sitting down near a 52-week low. We get another upgrade here today. It's three upgrades basically in about four days, I feel like, for Albemarle, which is one of the biggest lithium producers in the world. So, you know, it's up another $4 here too. But there is stocks that haven't went yet. And that's the whole thing you don't have to chase. You just have to, if you think we're not going to recession, there's a lot of other opportunities. The IWM has gone nowhere. You're still sitting in the same spot you were in March. You're sitting at the lows. The, region, the reason it's gone nowhere is the regional banks have continued to go down and it's holding that back. But if you're of the belief that the KRE has bottomed and maybe it did back on May the 5th, you know, or May, it's May 4th, May the, May the 4th, when it made that low of 34.52. If you are of that belief, and I'm not sure I'm in that camp yet, but I'm still, you know, positioning where maybe we have a low here and there are still a lot of stocks sitting very near the lows. Lots of opportunity here. Um, so I don't think you have to necessarily chase the Apples and the Amazons. And they've been good. You know, don't kid yourself. They, those, if the AI story continues, those stocks probably continue to go up. But there could be a catch-up trade for some of these other laggards. Yesterday was a catch-up day. It had very, a lot of strength. 
in a lot of the regional banks. He had a lot of strength in a lot of the banks altogether. He had a lot of strength in some of the energy stocks. The energy stocks have been killed here, Aaron. They've been beat up with the regional banks here. I mean, there's opportunities. If you think we're not going to recession, some of these energy stocks, you know, with trading with, you know, multiples that are significantly lower, and we're assuming those lower those multiples are going to go higher because we're assuming the E is going to go down in the second half if we go into recession. But if we don't go into recession, man, some of those energy stocks are cheap. <clears throat> yeah, we, we saw energy have a strong day yesterday. And so, Dennis, to your point of the fact that, you know, I saw people in the chat talking about NVIDIA, which is up again this morning uh pre-market up to 305 i mean this thing has just been on an absolute freaking i've been looking the way i've been trying to add this to my roth ira and i've been waiting for like some sort of pullback that just has not happened so i might just have to go and but i know what's going to happen as soon as i do buy a stock and add it in my roth ira it's gonna be like oh yeah that was the top idiot but uh the uh so, so to your point of the fact that there's really been a few stocks that have 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 you know, come off their bottoms and and are are, are trading up and bringing the S&P 500 further. Are you waiting to see like the IWM really get some, you know, these small caps before you, you, before you say, okay, we're out of the woods, the market's going to enter another like bull market phase. Do you want to see some of these smaller stocks start to move? Well, I mean, that's all depends on the regional bank. So you don't want to see any more regional banking failures. I have recently bought, I bought the IWM about three weeks ago there, right around the same price as 175 area. Because I was feeling that, hey, you know, maybe we're getting to a situation and then obviously we continued going down the regional banks and that has helped held the IWM down. But I've taken some exposures, increased my exposure to some of the small caps because unlike the mega caps, the IWM is fairly, you know, the PE is a little bit lower. Again, a lot of these companies don't make money. A lot of these companies are very dependent on capital. If regional banks continue to fail, the IWM will go lower. There's no doubt. But if we're past, if we don't get any more regional bank failures here the iwm is not expensive so i mean there is an opportunity here too so i think it all depends on your exposure do i want to be a hundred percent in on this market i don't think it's a hundred percent in market i don't feel like this is the next big raging bull but i do think there's opportunities here and i don't think the money's on the bear side either like people say oh i'm a perennial bear i've never been on the full bear camp because i haven't been short this market i've been in cash because i've been concerned that there is unknowns and I've been protecting my capital. But, you know, during like the COVID crisis, I'm short stocks. I was long puts, short stocks, you know, because it was a different market. So I wouldn't put myself in the bear camp. I've been in the sideways camp here for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to remember, too, that right now, I mean, you can go out and get what risk free bonds for five percent. Like at, at, That's at, where at, I don't think it's a bad play. Um, Aaron, it's a fantastic point. Somebody was tweeting at me last night. My friend Alex on Twitter um, was saying, yeah, you know, you're sitting in 5%, but you're watching the market go up 20%. Well, you're not watching the market go up 20%. You watch the queues go up 20%. So part of it did. And yes, it would be fantastic to never be in cash and always be in the best stocks all the time. But overall, this U.S. stock market, we're not talking Japan. We're not talking Europe. We are in the U.S., I'm in Canada, U.S., North American markets. I trade the U.S. markets. It's what I understand. It's what we do the show on. Yes, we talk Japan. We'll talk other markets every once in a while. But we are a U.S. show. So we are talking U.S. stocks. U.S. stocks have gone sideways for 18 months. The S&P, the IWM has been down. QQQ is basically, you know, slightly up from where it was. Well, 18 months ago was actually higher. So, uh, but the SPY, we did this exercise over the course of the last couple of weeks here. Um, The SPY is in the same spot it was in April of 2022, in the same spot it was in February of 2022, in the same spot it was in July of 2022, in August of 2022, November of 2022, in January of this year. We're all in the same spot. We've been going sideways. You haven't missed out on anything. So, don't believe what the pundits are saying that you've missed out on the biggest bull market of all time. That is not the truth. It has definitely been a bull market in Apple, Microsoft. And yes, it's disappointing to miss on, on some of those moves. But there are a lot more moves. And there's always another train leaving the station you never have to chase. 
Yeah, that's one of the big things. I mean, I think a lot for a lot of investors, like you look at like Nvidia's move over the past few months and you're like, oh my God, how could I miss this? And you're so frustrated about missing it. Maybe you get in late then and then you end up getting burned by that. But like Dennis said, there's always going to be another one. There's always going to be, you know, another Nvidia that goes from 150 to 300, whatever, what 100% gain in, in a few months. There's just, that's just how the market works, right? There's going to be. One, yep. One thing I have learned and Aaron to that point is, when you get that psychological game and saying, oh my gosh, I've missed the biggest bull market of all time, it affects all your trading. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry. Oh, even if you've missed the biggest bull market of all time, it doesn't mean it just stops here and I've missed and it's all over for me. That doesn't mean anything. It does. The past means nothing. It's about the future. It's about, you know, future movement here. So you don't have to, you know, beat yourself up because you missed the move in Microsoft or you missed the move in Nvidia. You there's other moves, there's always going to be other moves and the worst thing you can do is come in and say, "I can't take it anymore. Nvidia's went from 150 to 300. I've got to buy it today at 65 times earnings. I've got to buy it because this is where all the money's being made." And maybe it continues to go higher. And the person who did that a couple of weeks ago at 265 or 270 is probably happy. But, you know, a very smart, sophisticated trader who we have on this show all the time, Christian Fromherz, has been on the NVIDIA bull train. He sold part of his position here yesterday. So and I believe, you know, Christian is one of the best traders on Twitter out there. So, you know, it's been a good run here. I mean, you're buying it from Christian. I don't want to be yeah. on the other, other side of Christian here. So right. I'm not chasing. The reason I bought AMD is I feel like there's a catch-up trade here. AMD trading half the multiple of NVIDIA. And AMD hasn't had the move that NVIDIA has had. So I'm buying AMD because of the NVIDIA move. And so far, you know, I got bullish this thing at 84, 85, 87, 90, 93, 95. And so far, I've been absolutely correct on this one. I think the AMD move can continue. Now, it could roll over and you're going to get pullbacks. And maybe those are going to be opportunities. Maybe NVIDIA is going to pull back and give you an opportunity. But there's no reason to chase in this market. Yeah, I mean, so that's a great point in looking at who 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 are you buying the stock from? Because if it's a trader like Christian Fromhertz, um, you know, in these stocks that have these runs, traders like Fromhertz who who had the foresight to buy Nvidia months ago, sure. start ringing the register at some point, start taking profits at some point. So if you're a if you're especially if you're managing a lot of money, other people's money and you're up 20% on a holding in a month or so, like that's that's a good return for a year, 20%, great return for a year. So you these, these uh, institutional investors might start taking profits even earlier than uh, you than, than we might as retail investors. Just real quick, Dennis, I saw some people in the chat talking about Amazon. Someone was saying uh, AWS is going to continue to lose market share, all this stuff. So real quick on Amazon. So I, I was just reading an article yesterday about how this new rise in AI creates a lot of demand in cloud computing. And so the person in the chat, let me pull this, uh, Will S is saying, Amazon bleeding money, clients are down, uh, AWS will only continue to lose share. So I understand that you know Google and Microsoft with Azure is cutting into AWS's moat. But sure. here's the thing is that if this AI thing ends up being as big as people think it is and it ends up really increasing this demand for cloud computing, it's not really going to matter to me and I think a lot of investors if AWS is losing a little bit of its market share if it keeps growing. So if AWS grows a lot with this increased demand through AI, even if Azure takes a little bit of its market share, that doesn't mean it's one of those like a rising tide lifts all boats that if cloud computing just continues to take off with AI, Amazon's going to benefit from that. It's not like it's going to be just uh, Microsoft and Google and, and not Amazon. So I hear you there. Uh, and, and certainly Amazon does have a, a high. I mean, the forward PE is in the 60s, but there are other stocks with high PE too. I mean, NVIDIA, Dennis mentioned as well as the, stocks The like biggest Tesla. difference here, Aaron, between uh, Amazon 60 PE and I'm long Amazon and an NVIDIA 60 PE is Amazon could bring that PE up a lot if they wanted to. They have always invested more for growth. Amazon is the biggest retailer in the world. So, I mean, you know, of online, it's just enormous. So Amazon could make more money if they wanted to. If they started focusing less on growing the top line and more on the bottom line, it would make more money. So it's a little bit tricky to just look at the P of Amazon and say it's trading 60 times and it's, it's insane. You could have said that 
you know, on the stock five years ago when it was trading, you know, a hundred times earnings. And, you know, we had people like Michael Pachter on the show saying, no, this couldn't make more money. This E is not really as much as it could be. So if they just decide we're going to stop focusing on research, we're going to start just focusing on the bottom line, the company would make more money. So you do have to consider that the Amazon E, the Amazon E could be a hell of a lot higher if they focus their energy there. So when I see a PE of Amazon, people saying it's insane at Amazon 60, uh, it's not insane. It's not as insane as you think. The thing trades like four times sales. So, so why, I mean, it's why, not crazy. Why, Dennis, when we had, uh, you know, the Fed start raising interest rates, you had a lot of companies like Meta, for example, that kind of made this shift from say, okay, instead of growth, we're going to start focusing on profitability. That's what the market cares about yes. more now with an increase in interest rates. Why hasn't Amazon uh, you know, gone that route of, of meta? Well, well, I think they're doing it a little bit with some of their cuts. I think it's slowly getting that way. But again, Amazon is, you know, their, their model has worked for a long time for them. And, you know, who are we to say that, yeah, you got to stop with your growth story here and just start focusing on the E. I mean, I believe, you know, Amazon's been one of the best stocks in the last 20 years, if not the best stock of the mega caps in the last 20 years. I think you've just got to trust them more and their model, you know, does work. I mean, yes, this is a market that has been focused on the bottom line, but this market also wants to see, you know, the top line to continue to grow on Amazon too. And it has slowed. I mean, growth has slowed for all of these companies. And yes, you know, the, the, the multiple expansion, all these companies, that's really the reason that the stock prices have went up is more multiple expansion than anything. Uh, but at the same time, there is going to be more growth drivers and Amazon will be a player in AI as well. All of these mega caps, the reason they're running too, is the AI story. The AI story is real. Blockchain, not real. You know, it's not <laughs> like the game changer that everything is going to change. You know, we can think about, you know, you know, crypto, yes, it's fun, but you know, is it the game changer of everything? I don't think so. You know, the internet was a game changer. AI is equivalent to the internet. That's yeah, what it is here, Aaron. It's that big. It's going to be in everything. And as that story continues to get hotter and hotter the companies who you know have these ai headlines or have these you know leadership in those roles are going to be continue to be your winners here but ai will be anything tesla is an ai company tesla the automation like i mean that's what they're moving towards is maybe one of the ai companies so do you want yeah. to own tesla in your long-term portfolio probably i know so it's you... trading high but this ai story is real so you have uh, Baba Alibaba was is reporting or reported this morning in the conference call is is going on and they Baba mentioned something about AI and the stock moved higher right after that and is talking about it which to me honestly this is me saying it, the mark this is the market to me not really being that efficient or that smart or maybe the market's just kind of dumb because if it's that's not priced in that Baba's going to come out and say something about AI right that's what we should expect from every major company i think that's your point Dennis right now is whether you're talking about yeah. Amazon whether you're talking about Tesla Apple Google uh, Microsoft obviously you name it all of these companies are going to be invested in AI, which is, by the way, when that move happened in Google, a few, uh, I want to say uh, that was back in February, early February, when Google first released Bard and people were like, oh my God, this isn't as good as ChatGPT. And Google, Google stock literally lost $100 billion yeah. in market cap over the span of two days. And I was like, this is so silly. This is such a gross overreaction because obviously Google's going to be you know, a player like here, I'll go back to the chart where this happens. No, we the... know we talked about this and we were saying it at that time that this overreaction here was going to be regretted. I mean, it was absurd. So here, think... right where my right where my cursor is, got down to ninety four dollars and then we're up at one twenty one in the We were at one ten when that headline hit. We were up at one ten when that headline hit. And it gave the wrong answer and they just punished it and saying Google has no idea what they're doing. Well, the chat GPT gives the wrong answer on stuff too. You remember, I asked chat GPT the question um, of, you know, who is Dennis Dick? And just to see what the answer was. And they told me I founded Bright Trading. I, that's, Congrats. That's Bob Bright and Eddie Franco founded Congrats. Bright Trading. That wasn't Dennis Dick. Dennis Dick it doesn't matter. Dennis, Trading. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who actually founded it. It matters what the history books say, right? Like the history books will say that, Elon Musk founded Tesla, so it, it, so 
Ch- Chat GPT is just trying to do you a favor. They're <laughs> just trying to get you some extra credit there. It's just gave me uh, extra credit. Yeah. I'm like, thank you, Chat GPT, but absolutely incorrect. Well, so and all especially- of these things give incorrect answers. This technology is far from perfect. But to your point, to say that, you know, Google is not going to be a player in AI, they have no idea what they're doing, was ignorant. And the people who sold it down there, obviously, are being punished for that now because the stock is significantly higher. Google will be and, a major player in AI. And considering just the nature of AI, like the whole like kind of thing with AI is that it's like dumb, gets smarter, learns from itself, gets smarter. So to get like all this upset that the thing got some questions wrong on like day one, on like the first pitch of the first inning, it's like, all right, come on, like well, let's have a little bit of longer uh, sight here. But just to bring this back, because we, we, we started this conversation by talking about Amazon. I actually, Dennis, I actually think that's kind of, Uh, as an investor, like looking at companies, I would consider that to be a strength of Amazon that they're in a position financially to say, okay, even though the market is now, uh, you know, rewarding companies that are focused on profitability, that we don't have to make that full transition here. We can still be growth minded. That shows me like strength as a company. Like Meta was obviously not in a great spot and kind of had to scramble to get to this point of profitability and has been rewarded by doing so. But the fact that Amazon might be in a better position to say, we're still gonna focus on our growth and not just go straight to profitability. Like to me, that's that's a strength. I think so too. I'm long Amazon. I wish I was still on Google. I actually sold Google ahead of the earnings report a while ago there, and I wish I wouldn't have done that. I was back at 108, and the stock's significantly higher here now. Um, I think you're going to get opportunities on the mega cap techs here again. I do think you're going to get some opportunities to get these back, so I'm not that concerned if I miss. Um, if we do miss, we go to this raging bull market. I've positioned myself in some other stocks as well, which I think will still benefit from that. And I do think AMD is going to be a major player here. I do believe we will eventually see AMD at all-time highs here again too. Yeah, I mean it's 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 and that's the thing with Nvidia and I'm talking about how I've been wanting to add this into my into my long-term portfolio and same with AMD is it's like where will there be a pullback at some point here soon probably. If I buy it today will I be down at some point in the next couple months on my probably. Nvidia? Probably. But in 10 years will I be up on it? Also probably. probably. So you know it, it just depends. You have to figure out like, okay, what are my goals here? Am I looking at this as a long-term investment? Am I looking for this as a day trade, a swing trade, uh, et cetera? Because if I was looking just for a quick little trade, no, I'd probably wait for NVIDIA. But in my long-term portfolio, maybe I got to stop waiting and just say, screw it. Like things are going well. Clearly things are going well for the company right now. I'm just going to buy it with everyone else. So let's move on. We, we've been talking a while. It's been a fantastic conversation here, Aaron. I think we do have to talk to Walmart earnings before we get Anne-Marie banned here um walmart trading up here on their earnings report give us those numbers mr brie yes sir um so walmart let me get them pulled up real quick um walmart reported one uh a buck 47 adjusted earnings per share versus 132 expected so beat their revenue came in at 152 billion versus 148 billion expected. Walmart also raised its full year forecast uh, as the fiscal first quarter sales rose nearly 8% and its large grocery business helped offset weaker sales of clothing and electronics. So um, at least, I mean, like, here's the thing with Walmart, uh, Dennis, and we mentioned this with Home Depot too. The numbers look good. The stock's not taking off by any means, but it's up uh about one and a half percent to me this is it's more important walmart's earnings and how the market will interpret this for the overall economy because walmart it showed like it said it was weak in clothing and electronics but had good grocery numbers like to me that's showing okay the wheels aren't falling off the economy right now not yet and walmart is one that typically holds up better even when the wheels start falling off because people trade down they you know they're they're going to go to walmart to get their stuff because it's a little bit cheaper so walmart actually often holds up better even if the economy starts to slow um interesting enough you know they're raising their fiscal year 24 outlook but next quarter they actually guided down and you know people aren't going to focus on that because the media likes to just focus on you know if the stock's up they're going to just grab the good things if the stock's down they're just going to grab the bad things that's out of the report. That's what the media works on. But if we look at the Q2 EPS, 163 to 168 versus 171, um, that's actually a guide down here for Q2. So um, it's a little bit of a mixed quarter here when you consider that. So they're thinking, you know, by 2024, everything's going to be smooth sailing here again. But they're also thinking next quarter is going to be slow, which is what we've seen 
uh, obviously some other companies as well. So, um, so we're at this, you know, we're at this crossroads here where, you know, you've got some companies that have reported okay quarters, some companies reported not so great quarters, but we're still at these crossroads where it seems like it's silver lining anyway. So that's why the bulls are in control here right now. I mean, buying the Home Depot dip, buying the Target dip, Walmart really didn't give you a dip here and the Walmart report was fine. It's interesting that this market, the silver lining market, is still gravitating to just buying dips regardless, even if the companies miss. I mean, the AMD wasn't a great report either, and they grabbed that stock very quickly on that dip a so couple that, weeks ago. Dennis, I mean, at a time like this right now where the the status of the overall economy is kind of up in the air, right? So you ask one person, they say, okay, we're heading toward a recession. You ask another person, they say, no, the economy is great. We don't, I mean, like it, it, it's, it, it's, it's baffling to a lot of economists, but at a time like this, what's more important to you? The, the actual reports, like Walmart's numbers, worst sales up or down, or how the market is reacting to those earnings reports? The reaction is more important because that's telling you what's priced in, what's not priced in. So when you see, to your original point when you started the show, when you see stocks start to rally on bad news, that is not a bearish sign whatsoever. That is a full-on bullish sign. But we haven't seen that in every stock. Like we're not seeing that across the board. We're seeing it selectively. So we still have to be somewhat cautious. I mean, there's going to be stocks that they just don't care about that miss and they hit them. Boot Bart, B-O-O-T. Um, you know, not a stock that everybody's focused on here. B-O-O-T comes out with earnings after the bell and it's a flat out miss and it's a serious guide down. They see fiscal 24, 470 to 5 versus 580, 79 to 85 versus a buck 17 in the next quarter here. So serious guy down, stocks down 11% deservingly so. But then you have take two and it wasn't a great quarter here either. And they're just rip roaring and rallying this stock here. So, I mean, we just covered pretty much all the earning stocks right there in one, two, three. But TTWO, if we want to go to this one here, Aaron, it's up $16 here this morning. There is some news on one of the games. That's maybe, you know, what they're gravitating to and, and what they're saying is driving the price here. But the take two quarter was not fantastic here either by any means. You know, they lost a significant amount of money. They cute, the, the guidance going forward was not great. But again, this silver lining market is just finding a reason to buy the stocks they want to buy. Yeah, you also had some uh, good news in the video game space, I think, for some investors this week with the Activision Microsoft deal. Uh, real quick, Dennis, we had the jobless numbers come out a couple minutes ago. So yes, U.S. initial jobless claims came in lower than expected for the week, 242,000 versus 251,000 uh, estimate. The overall number, I think it was like 1.8. I got it right here. 1.799 million forecast was 1.8 million. So slight, you know, slightly better jobs numbers than expected, I guess. Fewer jobless claims, which means the labor market is still strong. Let's see how the, the market is reacting to this. SM, sort of the spy. Go to a nice. We're leaking here a little bit. Again, this isn't a number that the market focuses on. So right. it's not going to be a major market mover here. But we're leaking a little bit here. Um, leaking some of the games. Walmart's been hanging out here all morning. There's not a lot of drivers here today. I mean, overall price action. You did have Walmart, which is always, you know, Baba, which we can get to here in a second. Or maybe when we bring on Anne-Marie, we can talk all about Baba here too. They just mentioned, you know, the word AI and, you know, obviously the stock pops up on that, which is interesting here too. Um, maybe we should grab Anne-Marie. It's 835. Grab Anne-Marie. Bring her into this conversation because I want to get her overall market thoughts as well. Because we're really at the crossroads here. I mean, the S&P is trying to break out. You know, is this the next, you know, big bull market coming ahead or is this breakout a fake out? Let's ask Anne-Marie. Let's do it. Let's go ahead and bring Anne-Marie on the show, the woman who needs no introduction in front of the program. After uh, when we come back, we'll be talking Baba as well as some other stocks. Anne-Marie, how are you doing this morning? I'm well, guys. How are you? We're hyper. Good. They're telling me I'm too hyper today that I've got to calm Never down. Never too hyper, take dude. Take a chill pill. Just relax. Up is good. <laughs> Anne-Marie, we've been talking about the overall market. We've been talking about the strength that we showed yesterday where the S&P is trying to break out of a trading range that it's been in here for a lot, for the better part of a month and a half. We've really been hanging around this 410. Nice action yesterday. Market trying to break out. My question to you is the million dollar question. Is this a breakout or a fake out? So, um, you know, it really depends how we want to want to look at that. I, I think that the range is uh, still in play. 
And yesterday's move was really a short covering event. And so we have this bifurcation. Hey, let's go to a weekly spy chart. And let's take yes, a peek at that. I want to show you guys something. So if we take a look at this chart, we go, oh, all right, I see this pervasive dip, Dennis. You were just talking about that, right? But what do we see on top of there? We see demand absolutely drying up. There is nobody sitting above us. So here's what we know. We know that when it breaks out, we're either going to have people chasing like mad or stops going, holy cow, I'm going to get clobbered. So either way, if it breaks free, something's going to give. But here's what I notice. Our moves up, look at the volume on the four, five weeks of upward pressure, the last five weeks of candlestick motion, look at that volume, totally moving out. So volume's coming out of the market and we're looking at this place where it's really sideways. So then I go onto the covers. What is the dealer market like from the option space? How are they hedging? And there are a lot of people buying puts for expiration on Friday. So is that a space where they're saying, hey, I need to protect myself? Well, if we look at the VIX, that answer looks like no. What it looks like as, hey, I'm going to take a springboard. Maybe it'll savagely move down, but I know I've got the pervasive bid. So I'm going to cover as soon as I get a dip. And then I'm going to get all kinds of new price action to the north. And so because we listen to people like Druck, who says, hey, we're going to have a depression. We're going to have a whatever. Yesterday, we get news that the yuan has broken a peg. Everybody's like, oh, what, a, what about that? Last time that happened, everything rolled off a cliff. We are moving off of very quick headlines. And what I have noticed is the rotations from high to low have become very quick, very fast, and the trader that's winning this game is completely tactical. I know that you'd agree with that, Dennis, because I can see you talking about things moving in and out, right? I, I think it's been a trader's environment. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I look at my sure. long-term portfolio where I don't do as many trades and it kind of just is sitting around not doing Languishing. a Languishing, right. But yeah, it is. And then the trading portfolio has always done fairly well because I'm moving in, I'm tactical, I'm moving in, moving out, finding the chop, playing the chop, selling the dips or selling, selling the dips, selling, selling, selling the rips, buying the dips. I mean, there's opportunities here as a, it's been a, pretty good trading environment yep it's just a matter of a long-term investing environment really for you know u.s investors you know i know they've done fairly well in japan over the course of the last year although they haven't done very well over the last 30 years um but u.s investors we kind of just been hanging around you know on the s p really going nowhere yeah for sure and then speaking of japan their industrial production numbers were huge everybody's super surprised. I talked to Michael Naus, who would be an amazing guest for you guys in, in any way, but he was Michael. talking. Yeah. So he's got a relative strength thing that he showed. And really at the very top of the list, he had industrials and manufacturing showing the greatest relative strength underneath. So, you know, I've got this feeling that the human spirit is indomitable. We'll find a way to make whatever happen, happen. And whatever happens, whether it's the gloom and doom of macro, listen, if you've been trading macro, you've been losing your bleep because markets are moving up. You cannot trade macro numbers because those guys have got a three, five, seven, 10 year outlook. You can't position like that tactically, especially if you listen to, you know, the news bites or whatever. So as we look at Baba, here's because I think Baba is at the top of the range. Now, I like to look at big levels and then go to small levels. So let's start with a week. I know, Aaron, I'm putting you, 
No, this is this is good. Yeah. We're starting we're starting with the weekly chart here. Right? So always big picture tells you where big money is going to move. And so what do we notice? Yes, there is a bid in Baba. We can see it. But look at those lower highs. Look at them. And look at the volume on those upticks and how quickly they fade. On top of that, all the news from inside China says they're not really opening in grand fashion. Now, whether that is or it isn't remains to be seen. China is on a big push to get developed countries on their side, Africa, South America, all of those particular regions that are resource heavy because we know China does not have a lot of resources on their land, their land mass. They need it. So any of these things, particularly, you know, I want to talk about this AI thing. Can we sure. go back to that for a second? Yeah. Remember the dot-com bubble when everybody who got a dot-com, <laughs> you were in diapers. But <laughs> I remember it. When the dot-com bubble came around, if you had a dot-com after your name, everybody was throwing money at you. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody, everybody was running like the wind. AI is going to make a difference. Yes. Now, I, I argue that AI has been around for 60 years. That's why I got a Roomba that does the vacuum. Ah, there you go. Right? And so AI has morphed into this, let me solve a verbal problem for you, or let me solve a mathematical problem for you. Now, to me, that's going to be a big win for small business. Small business isn't sitting as a publicly traded company. Small business is the mom and pop that says, holy cow, I can buy a whole marketing department from AI and it can build me a bigger framework that I can promote heavier on the internet or wherever that I want to do it. So small to midline businesses who learn to adapt to this are going to get an immediate bump. But big business who's going to say, all right, how can I use AI? I think it's going to be really deflationary for jobs, which is one of the only things that I think is going to be deflationary in this environment, because I'm going to be able to take out a whole swath of clerks yeah. that go, okay, how do I read this spreadsheet? My AI is going to do it. You can see that in banking right now. They read spreadsheets all the time. They pull out, okay, that deposit doesn't look right. That needs to go to this human being where it used to be people. So I think this AI business is a little bit like the dot-com business where people are moving on the news, but at the end of the day, the proof's going to be in the pudding. How did you use AI to increase revenue or decrease cost? And that's going to be over the measure of time. So I, I honestly think this is a little mini bubble that's going to filter its way out. AI is going to be great for small to midline businesses. And again, that's for us as private investors that go, hey, how can I invest in my local community? Right? It, you can see. I was going to say, Emery, I think I agree with you on, you know, there's obviously some concerns here. And one is, you know, jobs going forward. If AI is going to eat some of our jobs, and that's obviously concerns. But I think you're right. I think if we think about, you know, everybody thinks .com changed the world. And it really did. It did. But what, but what happened was 97, 98, 99, 2000, chasing. And, you know, we just got to, you know, People didn't care about multiples or care about anything because it was dot-com and they were going to grow into these multiples. And then we know the dot-com bust, you know, from right. 2001, 2002. And Amazons did emerge from that, but there was also 99pets.com for every one Amazon there was. Exactly. So we got to be exactly. careful with what we're yeah. chasing here. And so I think we should hide in the winners. We should. That's why we're seeing so much money move to big cap. Yeah. Because they're saying... You know, I remember this story and mm -hmm. it didn't end well for the little mom and pop. Now, there's going to be one or two little mom and pops. Like, remember when Amazon had its warehouse and all they had was old doors that they used as their desks? Huh. Right. Yeah. And so we're, we're going to find those companies, but you've got to be really good at fleshing out jewels if you're going to buy things 
that are going to hold through the space because we are going to have a shakeout. At the end of the day, it's going to be how much money did you make last quarter? How does that look for forward guidance? And what are you doing to make sure that my investment is sitting in the right place? And with the Fed holding interest rates high, I think that's going to uh, pull out where it is we are going to go to get money. I love the idea of more people with means to look in their local communities and go, okay, who's investing in something in my state, in my county, in my town that's going to end up doing a service for my people? Because listen, AI is going to change how a workspace goes, but until we become completely robotic, we're still going to have people doing the things that are really, really hard. We're not going to have a computer or an AI that's going to change a bedpan. Or maybe they'll have somebody that, maybe they can have something that'll do an IV. But, you know, these are things that are, we're in a morphing space. This space is going to, abs in 10 years, we're going to look back and go, holy cow, we were at the brink of something really big. I don't know if it's going to be big good. I don't know if it's going to be big bad, but it's going to be big. And so tactically, we're just going to move in and move out until, you know, the proof's in the pudding. So, Amory, I mean, I if you think that there are some AI stocks out there that are kind of forming a mini bubble right now, are there ones that you think that have been benefiting from this AI boom that you think will in the long run be like the the winners the amazons of the dot com like who are those in your mind of the of the ai boom today you know that question might be a little bit out of my wheelhouse okay. so I, I would I, I would say i don't know and so okay. in in order to be you know i don't want to blow smoke i definitely don't know but what i do know is the most capitalized ones are going to win because they're going to weather the storm. And that's really it. If they can weather the storm, listen, wait for the savage dip, have some dry powder, wait for the savage dip, wait for the dip to flesh out, just like we can look at these bottoming formations, right? We buy the bottom and we sell where we see resistance. This is not a region or a point in time where I think buying and holding for the long haul, I mean, it might be 15 years before you start seeing these things run the way they're supposed to, right? I mean, we remember, well, Dennis, you remember when Red Hat was $700, Yes. right? And yes. so we're like, Red Hat? So we have no idea. It's who's going to be able to have the best management teams and hold down on cost and then figure out how to turn these things into money-making money-making opportunities and that remains to be seen i i think you're spot on and the reason it's not just you that doesn't have the answer for you know these diamonds in the rough it's the market altogether that doesn't have these answers and they know we can logically guess nvidia amd microsoft meta amazon google are all going to be players in ai but, you know, yeah. that's why the money has been gravitating to those because the market is just like taking the safe bet yes. where there is going to be some small players that emerge that are going to go up 10 times or 20 times or 50 times. Those are harder to find, though. And that's why the market is the way it's playing. I is going with the safety trade almost. It's like the safe AI trade where, well, we know Microsoft, even, you know, we're paying 32 times earnings. You know, yeah, maybe we're paying too much, but we know they're going to be a player there. So let's just go and put our AI dollars there. I mean, that's why you're seeing this relentless bid in those five or six names. So, I mean, it's a good exercise. And, you know, chat, we love you guys, too, and your input here to try to find those diamonds in a rough. But it's also can be an expensive exercise as oh, well, yes. because um, when you're looking back, everybody thinks, why didn't I buy Amazon in 2000? You know why? Because why did the online bookstore matter more than the online pet store we didn't know jeff bezos was going to reinvent the whole way shopping was done 
then. You know, it looked like online bookstore. Sure sounds like online pet store. So yeah. it was not an easy slam dunk that just buy Amazon. And at one point in time, Amazon was down over 96% from the yep. highs. Yep. So, I mean, it was not even if you bought, you know, in 2001, you're like, well, I should have just held through it. You got to have those other hundred names and you'd probably be worse off because a lot of those companies did go bankrupt. Yeah. So it's an expensive exercise trying to find those small companies. And I think that's why those big dollars keep going into those mega caps. Yeah, absolutely. And remember what the analysts used to say about Amazon? Oh, their margins are too thin. They're never going to make it. They're never going to make it. They're never going to make it. So the takeaway is this. Don't listen to the analysts. Watch the price. <clears throat> Watch the price. Price is everything in the space. Why? I mean, why, why is that, Anne Marie? Like, why is the price so important uh, compared to some of the fundamental takeaways that uh, mm. you know analysts might have? Great question. So people say things and then people do things. Watch what they do, not what they say. And so the way we know what somebody's doing is because of price. If all of a sudden a price action gets to someplace and you see no bids, nobody wants to buy anymore, it's telling you something. It's saying, hmm, nobody's buying anymore. If I can't find a bid up there, I'm not going to buy it. I have to wait for the dip. And for me, I am being very tactical. If I buy a small dip in time frame, I'm going to sell at resistance. Now, does that mean that I miss out on a giant breakout? Yes. I stopped buying yesterday in the ES at 41.64, 41.65. It went to 41.90. I mean, 41.80, right? So I'm okay with giving up the very top edges because I... I don't know who's got the bid up there. I don't know who's supporting the market. And so my focus is all about what's price flow doing? Are buyers coming in at this level and supporting it? And how do I know? Listen, if you're a trader and you're saying, hey, how do I figure that out? It's super simple, guys. Look at the candle body. If the wicks come down and they rise, it means somebody at the bottom said, that's my value event. I'm going to buy it. I've been using this analogy a lot. It's look for real estate. If you buy a crummy house in a great neighborhood, it's going to naturally lift if every house in the neighborhood continues to go up. You can make improvements, have some folks come in, but at the end of the day, your risk is minimized because you're in a great neighborhood and that's going to be very key. So think about it as a physical investment and look for that place where the real estate is giving you the lowest risk of bust. You'd have no idea whether it's going to be a boom, but if you have the lowest risk of bust, you can wait because your cost basis is in a place that's palatable for you. And listen, when a chart starts moving up, you can buy and sell higher. If you're in the right, you can buy high and sell higher because you're in the right neighborhood, right? You sell the little house, you look for the next one up in the neighborhood and you go, okay, I'm going to take my investment from there and move it into here. Become physically entrenched with what price is telling you and realize that it is the most important indicator. And you can tell that over time. If volume dips as prices go up, there's going to be a problem. If volume rises as price go up, there still might be a problem, but you know you can take profit and wait for the higher low. And really the whole market has been doing that. That's why traders who are entrenched in these horrible macro scenarios are absolutely watching their portfolio balance fall off a cliff because they simply are moving against the trend of money flow. Yeah, it makes that's a great explanation. It makes a lot of sense. Um, Anne Marie, well, it's it's always great to have you on. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm gonna go ahead and drop your Twitter in the chat at Anne Marie Trade. So go ahead and give her a follow uh, if you are not already because you're missing out on some great content like she's shared with us today. Thanks, Anne Marie. Thank you. 
Okay. Um, well, Dennis, we have about five minutes left. It looks like the market is leaking a little bit. What are you seeing? Yeah, the jobs number here has come in. We're leaking a little bit here. We're not going to be straight up. We're not going to be straight down. We're going to get pullbacks to buy. I mean, if you're in this rah-rah bull camp here, you get a little pullback here, and some of those major names, they keep getting scooped out. You know, do eventually they have a significant pullback? Probably, you know, so maybe you're going to get a better opportunity. But there's a lot of names where we've been saying where the trains have not really left the station yet. And, you know, they're giving you opportunities here near the bottom a lot. We've been talking about UAL for a long time here, saying, you know, that the airlines, if, you know, this you know, economy continues to, you know, you know, fire in the second half and not go into recession, UAL is trading like, seven or eight times earnings or maybe even less than that it's been in consolidation station around this 45 for the better part of a month and a half broke out yesterday that's a good sign so now maybe get a pullback here maybe get a little dip maybe that's one you want to jump into i think there's room to 50 on ual just letting you know there's other stocks out there you don't have to trade those same five stocks all the time there's a market of stocks here Lots of stocks still haven't went. Lots of stocks just showing life for the first time yesterday. Does that mean they're going to roll over and die next week? Nobody has a crystal ball. It's possible. But we're starting to see at least some other stocks participating. And that's a good sign for the bulls. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, I mean, really this whole market move, the strength in the S&P 500 has been from a few select names kind of uh, the top dogs of the market moving the For whole sure. entire market. And a lot of bulls, I think, or a lot of people who may want to get bullish, want to see the IWM, want to see some of these smaller cap uh, names start moving. Yes. To you, Dennis, I mean, like, wh what what would be your sign outside of, like, some more, like, which industries would you, would you want to see, like, smaller energy names running? Would you want to see some of, like, the Kathy Wood type yeah. smaller cap growth it stocks type running? Like, what if ARC goes up? 10% over the next couple of weeks. Is that a good sign to you yeah, for the market or it a bad is, sign? Yeah, because then speculation's coming back into the market. But the one thing I've said for a long time will get me, you know, starting to move really heavily into this market is we get stabilization in the regional banks and we start seeing the KRE start to go back up. That was a nice day for the KRE yesterday. It was a nice rebound. Seeing some confidence come in. WAL, seeing some confidence come in. There's a good reasonable chance here that maybe the worst is behind us not saying it's a hundred percent chance we never know anything for certainty but there's a reasonable chance that maybe the worst is behind us on the kre if the kre can start to show some strength start to show you know like hey they're coming in here because let's be honest if these regional banks don't fail some of these regional banks are going to be some of the best buys that we're going to see you know in a long time now, again, we don't know if they're going to fail, which is why I'm not, I don't know which one's going to fail, if PACW is going to survive, if WAL, we don't know anything for certain. But, you know, if you're thinking that, hey, these companies are going to continue to be going concerns and they're going to continue to figure it out, you know, maybe some of the deposits are down a bit, but some of these companies are off 80% from the highs, there could be some buying opportunities here eventually. So I want to see the regional banks, I want to see the KRE continue to show strength, moving higher the buy the dip mentality to come in on some of these names. And then that'll give me confidence to go into some other names. Kathy has lagged ARKK, which you were just talking about, has not done anything for the better part of three months. Had a really good January, gave two thirds of it back and has just been hanging out. So do I, th do I think that there's a potential for, you know, some of these speculative tech names to start going? Absolutely. Do I think ARK could be a buy as a trade right now? I think you have a nice level. you got a quadruple bottom here. We bring up the ARKK. 37.50, the low from four days ago, 37.47, 37.47, and 37.42. That's a quad bottom right there. I like it. I like it on a pullback. I would stop myself out under that level. So setting up a trade for you here right now, you risk yourself a buck, and you get a look, you know, maybe there's room that some of these, you know, AI buzz could continue. And if we get a debt ceiling deal, all stocks could rally into that too. So I, the problem is I think there's going to be, you know, more hiccups before we actually get that deal, which could pull the market in. But I do think that ARKK, not long-term, not talking long-term, I'm not in agreement with her strategies because she pays ridiculous valuations for companies. But short-term here, I think there's a trade in ARKK. Yeah, I mean, I, 100%. I've been watching ARKK. And I mean, going back to the regional banks front, 
I I'm gonna refrain from making any sort of calls because right after the uh, Silicon Valley bank collapse, I was on with Tim Melvin and I was like, yeah, like that sounds good to me, and was buying First Republic and Western Alliance, uh, you know, like the day after. So I've gotten burned on those. I don't want to make any more calls saying everything's okay because I have no clue. Um, what I do know, Dennis, and remind me tomorrow, I'll come with this information tomorrow. There's a number of regional banking stocks. Uh, that have insider buys from like their CEOs and stuff like yeah. that. And to me, over the past couple months, and to me, that's like, all right, do I really think Stiefel, ticker SF, like, do I think this guy is going out here buying shares if the company's about to like go under? No, I, I really don't. But again, I don't want to make any calls saying the regional banks things over because I've gotten burned on those. I was wrong on them once, not going to be wrong on them again, but I will, I will come with those uh, insider buys tomorrow. It is 9 a.m., uh, Dennis. Uh, do you want to? I, I still have to run through these top movers of uh, for, for, from Trade Zero. But yeah, let's do um, quickly. I, I can stick with you for a few minutes here. Let's do our Trade Zero top mover segment. All right, let's go ahead. Um, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bumper, and we come back. We'll be looking at the top movers from Trade Zero. Shout out Trade Zero for this great data. Alrighty, so it looks like oh here I gotta pop my screen back up, real quick. Bear with me. All right, so for go. top movers, uh, net change up. We've got ticker ASML uh, up. Or here, should we do net percent up? What do you guys usually do? Yeah, you can do either. It's nice you can just go and look. Sure, look at percentage up if you yeah, want. A lot of times you see some smaller stocks there, so sometimes we just go with net up too. Um, take two is one that you know you gravitate to. We've already talked it. Um, the quarter wasn't fantastic. They had a little bit of commentary on one of the games, which is maybe helping it too. But, you know, here's here's the play too. Like, think about AI. Is there an AI story in the gaming? I think absolutely. I think there's, you know, potential here. I mean, you know, and Take-Two as well. So, I mean, you got to think about what, you know, technology companies, you know, obviously AI is eventually maybe going to be in everything. But there's definitely, you know, the potential, you know, where I could see gaming and you know, metaverse and everything's tied in there with Take-Two, too. Fantastic company. Um, on pullbacks here, Take-Two is probably a buy. It's impressive that it's up this much on not a great quarter. So I'm just showing you that, you know, this FOMO has kind of come back into the market to a certain extent, especially in certain pockets. Let's go yeah, to the I net because you got so many smaller stocks in there. Let's just go to the net change up. So we just see, you know, which the biggest movers. Look are at here. Netflix, Dennis. Netflix has been sure. so strong. I know we've been talking about like big mega cap tech and, and Netflix is one that isn't really in the AI conversation, at least not yet. But it's one yeah. that, like we're saying, will probably somehow benefit from AI like every so. other major tech company will. But like, well, have you been watching the strength in Netflix's chart over the past few weeks, months, really? Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, Netflix, and I was along this thing for a, a long time. I bought my first purchase right around when Ackman bought it, which was not good. I actually tripled down back in, I think it was April 2022, when the PE got down to 15. I just thought it was just too low. And sometimes you just got to take valuation at face value and say, hey, Netflix is still growing here. PE 15, that's about as cheap as it's ever been. And that was the opportunity. And that was my second purchase around 180. I sold in the 300s, the low 300s here. Um, the stock has continued to go higher because the only reason I sold was the valuation had almost doubled. And I had almost doubled from my original purchase. So um, it was more just, you know, P27, I felt it got above a market multiple. And I was hoping to get it back in the 200s. It kissed in the 200s and hasn't got back. Netflix looks actually really good. I think one thing that people underestimate here is there is new subscribers coming in from the password sharing. We're not seeing that in the U.S. yet because they haven't they haven't done the, the the shared accounts here. They haven't got rid of it, but in Canada they have. So you know if you're trying to you know if you had one subscriber and five people were sharing it, you can't do it anymore unless you're in the same house. So I mean so so there you go. So I I do think yeah. you're going to see some benefit from that as well. And content, I mean, we've compared it to Disney Plus, we've compared it to Hulu, we compared it to some of these other. They have so much content. You turn on Netflix, you can always find something to watch. I turn on Disney Plus, it's the same crap. Not crap. I won't I, sh I shouldn't use the word crap. It's good shows. Disney Plus is good stuff. But it's the same stuff. They don't have enough content. Netflix always has a lot of content. So there's always something to watch. That's why I think Netflix is still going to be the player in streaming for the foreseeable future there's no challenger here 
Yep, and let's go run through the net change down real quick. Um, a lot of smaller cap stock. Although you do have uh, CVX Chevron on here down uh, pre-market after energy had a good day yesterday. Baidu down as well. Uh, Procter Gamble, ticker PG, Futu down. So, uh, wow, the DIA's on this list. Meta, so some some familiar names on this uh, net change down. So uh, uh, a couple names moving lower today, KOLD. So I guess that means that, that Natty Gas is having a good morning. Uh, yeah, UNG's up a little bit here this morning. Um, nothing so really, think... you know, jumping out here, you know, um, you know that, that that's a crazy mover here today. Um, you know, even when I'm looking, you know, at my movers tool here too. Um, it's it's We've got, you know, the market is leaking overall here. We've got some stocks going down, but there's still a lot of stocks green here today too. So it's a mixed market here today. Um, we are leaking. We had a really good day yesterday. I got to think that the dip is going to be bought here today unless we get some crazy debt ceiling headline, which headline risk is always there. Um, I do think you've got, you know, people who are like, oh, it was a really good day yesterday. I want to use this opportunity to get some stocks. So think about those tech stocks on pullbacks here today. I do think there's some opportunities here if we get a significant dip. We've just dipped about 13 handles here on the S&P. Get down another 10, 15 handles from here. I think you find buyers. Beautiful. Well, uh, Dennis, I think that should just about do it for this morning. Thank you. Uh, shout out again, Trade Zero, for that uh, cool data that we get to look at every day. Thank you to everyone who's joined us this morning. Thank you to everyone being patient with me filling in for Mitch. You know, so a couple of hiccups, but I think overall we we made I, it, which is what's important. We I think you, you did know, a great job here, Aaron. Um, obviously, you know, we had the little hiccups just to start the show, but I think you did a really good job here, Aaron. So I appreciate your efforts and uh, thank you. Yeah, of course. We'll be back tomorrow morning, and now I know, so hopefully no hiccups when we start the show tomorrow. It'll be public from the get-go. Uh, Dennis, enjoy the rest of your morning and have a good day. Everyone else, we'll be back tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. Be there or be square. Smash the like, subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Peace and love, y'all. Live trading will start right here. Let me just make sure uh, the stream is set to redirect there, and then we will be back. I'll be back at 11 uh what, what, what do we say aaron thomas 11 30 11 30 a.m eastern for benzinga live so should we, we have excited some exciting guests uh steve collasian robert roy of course uh so make sure to tune in at, uh, at 11 30 we'll be talking some options as well as some other big trades that we will be making live on the show till then stay green peace and love